0: on the light to show the nation how to get back on the right path. This is Anne
1: Graham Lotz. Equipping the saints with sound biblical instruction. This is The Way, way. 101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology, wars, and tensions.
0: Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Sacrifices and service take on a prophetic focus as Democrats focus on reversing our course on supporting Israel. Speaking of the Jews, we'll see the hatred hit new records towards them and new plagues of rattlesnakes out west and old snakes preying on our youngest children. Those are just some of the signs of the times we'll discuss for our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, July 2nd. 2021. Along with Mark Kirk, our senior pastor at Calvary Knoxville, I'm Greg Hilt, here to let you know that you can enjoy Signs of the Times anytime by downloading the Way Media app or visiting thewaymedia.net. And today's live broadcast will transform into podcast episode 174, which you can subscribe to through Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. However, if you want to read the articles for each show, which we do encourage you to do, that's only available through the WayMedia app or thewaymedia.net. Pastor Mark, uh, happy pre-4th of July. Yes. Uh, we will uh, definitely get into talking about the 4th uh, momentarily, but first. You've got me. This is our Truth in 10 segment. This is uh, our time to answer your questions. Pastor Mark will do so in 10 minutes or less. And Pastor Mark, our question this week comes from Sean, who listens to us in Denver, Colorado. And this is regarding Revelation 18.23, where he says that this scripture verse talks about the sorcery of Babylon, deceiving the whole world. And the word translated there for sorcery is pharmakia, from which we get our word pharmaceuticals. How do you interpret this in regard to a global deception involving pharmaceuticals? Is this some kind of specific event or a more general one? And considering now he's saying, and considering this verse is written in the past tense, when do you think this global deception happens in regards to the rapture and the great tribulation
2: again great question and uh, i would start out by saying first of all i think this is in more of a general sense i want to make sure that i answer all the questions specifically let me read the verse and this of course out of 18 um uh, 23 speaking about babylon in the last days and again there's the um different viewpoints of Babylon, you see Babylon economically, you see Babylon in a real world system, governmentally, and uh, so aside from the arguments about what actually the Babylon will be, it's going to be the world system, we know that, with the world government, the world economy, and the way the world's functioning itself, we'll go with that definition for this question, and he says here, it says here rather, speaking of Babylon, uh, in this question it says, for uh, your merchants were great men of the earth, for by your sorcery. All nations were deceived. Um, And again, notice all nations. It's a global event. This is not just a localized uh, one-time thing. It's a global event. And yes, it does speak in past tense. But again, remember, he's talking now at the end of the Great Tribulation. So this has already passed. We're, we're, we're already at the very end of the Great Tribulation. You're all the years, you know, of the seven years, you're toward the end of that and everything else. So that's why it's speaking past tense. It's looking back as what has happened leading up to where they are at that point toward the end of the Great Tribulation. Um, but again, it is very interesting and very astute of you to bring up uh, the fact there, Sean, that it is the word pharmakia there in the original language. And of course, that's where we get the word pharmacy. And so it's interesting to read that, and they refer to sorcery as pharmacy. Why would you refer uh, refer to uh, pharmacy as sorcery? Really, because they refer to pharmacy as sorcery. The word's pharmakia, and why did they translate it that way? Because built into that word, in the context, and and in that word is really the thought of um, demonic activity. Um, uh, really, you know, almost a, a witchcraft or demonic activity connected. Because, uh, with pharmakia and i've seen this over the years as a pastor when it comes to drug abuse there is a demonic connection uh, i don't fully understand how maybe it's the weakening of the mind maybe it's the opening up of the mind to things you shouldn't open it to and, and inviting certain spirits or whatever the case might be i think sometimes maybe even inviting them when you don't know you've invited them um but what we see a picture of here is there's, there's going to be great demonic activity going on in the last days the church has now been removed the Holy Spirit is still working in the world, saving souls during that time, but the church is now in heaven, and there is going to be, it says here, this great world deception through pharmacia slash sorcery and showing the demonic influence involved in the drug abuse, but Greg, it all stems with drug abuse, and really, it's broken down into two categories. Uh, we think of the normal drug abuse, uh, whether it be marijuana, uh, cocaine, uh, heroin's a big deal right now, drugs like that that are always going to be there. But also the fact that pharmacia or pharmakia, which speaks of pharmaceuticals, is mentioned as well. And again, just kind of a term that leads us generally to drugs and drug abuse. It also, I think, speaks of a lot of the um, prescription drug abuse that we've seen. And I think that will continue into the last days. So there's going to be kind of a mixture of this pharmakia going on. Uh, What we see here in the passage, Sean, is that it's going to be demonically influenced. And it's going to infect, uh, infect and affect the entire world. Um, and will be a big factor in the last days. Now, that's interesting to me because even today, remember Satan's goal is to deceive the world into worshiping him. And um, oftentimes when you see someone trying to control someone else, they make them a mind-numbed robot by drug abuse. We look at the um, sex trafficking issue that's going on today, and there's a very classic formula they follow. They will uh, kidnap or somehow apprehend a young girl, and what they do is they drug them up right away. And they keep them drugged up. This is very classic in, in the sex abuse industry today. They keep them drugged up. That way they can control them. Makes them weaker. Makes them controllable. Uh, makes them more usable uh, in, in that kind of sense. Keeps them from running. Um, and also, in a, at the same time, creates a, uh, an addiction to that drug. So they're less likely to flee because they they'll do whatever they're asked to do. Just give me my next shot of heroin or my next shot of whatever they get them addicted to. Right. So you've got this whole process going on. Well, that is an example of what the Antichrist is going to be doing on a large scale. He's not going to be, you know, putting needles in people's arms or prescribing it. You know, at least we don't know of that. But drugs are going to be so available. They're going to be, I believe, so legalized worldwide that Mankind, in his fallen, sinful nature, will begin to use those drugs, uh, and because of that, become addicted to those drugs. The drugs alter your thought process. You can't think clearly. You're weakened mentally. You're weakened physically. You're weakened emotionally. And that gives Satan a much easier avenue to be able to manipulate you in how he wants to manipulate you for his purposes. So I really think you're going to see it used. We see even in the cults today. Uh, we will see where the cult leaders oftentimes will make drugs available. People will take acid or they'll do peyote, uh, these kind of different drugs they do. And they have these trips they go on and these hallucinations. And they even say they see spirit guides, Greg. I, and so and I believe that thing is demonic activity because there is some connection to the demonic realm when we lower our brain defenses by drugs and alcohol. And so um, and you see demonic activity around that. So I think what we're going to see and what it tells us we're going to see is there's going to be a real uh, uh, demonic activity. I believe the Antichrist using that weakening to control the world. um, And it's going to be uh, something where, um, you know, again, we even see today this whole push for uh, making drugs legal. You know, what's wrong with marijuana? Well, marijuana is a mind altering substance and, and hopefully you've never done it. But if you've ever done marijuana, those of you out here that have done marijuana, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you can take a sip of alcohol and feel no effect from one sip of alcohol. If you take one, you know, toke, uh, as they call it, uh, or draw off of a, a you know, a, a, a marijuana, you know, then just oh, that's all it takes is one. And you immediately feel a change and an alter in your brain and in your thought process and in your behavior. These tra- types of mind altering drugs are what make you vulnerable to being taken over by others and vulnerable to a lot of things. And that's why it's been used by cults and things like that throughout the centuries. Uh, but again, I believe it's all part of what the Antichrist should be doing, as well as the flesh. Simply let go to do what it wants to do when you give it the opportunity. Hey, go ahead. Have some marijuana. It's legal. Go ahead. Do this. It's legal. Whatever. Our propensity as fallen man is to run towards sinful things. And so mankind is going to run toward that. And it's going to be, there'll be addictions, there'll be abuses, it's going to be huge in the last days, which means, by the way, and we talk about this on a regular basis when we look at uh, prophecy, Uh, a lot of prophecy doesn't just happen overnight, it's a gradual buildup. And so when you know there's going to be a major worldwide drug abuse problem in the last days while the Antichrist is ruling and reigning, what we should be watching for now is an increase in drug use. An increase in control through drugs, a freedom of drugs. And, Greg, that's exactly what we see. New laws being passed in California, in Colorado. And I would say to a state near you, you're going to see probably, uh, if the Lord doesn't come back very soon, you're going to see, I think, all the states adopting at some point uh, certain drugs, marijuana Mm and others saying no big deal. You're able to do that, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this is what's going on. Uh, we're going to see it increasing gradually till then, and I think you're going to see a basically a mind numbed world uh, controlled by the Antichrist in their effort to get them to follow Satan and to bow down to him, and the world will be acquiescing.
0: I'll just add to that, Pastor Mark. You had mentioned that sometimes we unwittingly are inviting demonic activity. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and I and I think that that speaks to the character of Satan as he is described in the Bible that he was the angel of light, yeah. and he was the most beautiful of all of the cherubs, and so he has a way of making evil look good, yeah. deception. Yeah. So uh, there. that's always a, a check and a balance that people need to look at when they're getting involved in things that, that seem on the surface to be innocent enough yeah. and don't realize that they're unwittingly inviting demonic activity
2: absolutely there's a real warning there in a lot of things i mean any of those demonic type yeah. activities, like you said we have to be very careful
0: very very careful yeah. about that so uh sean thank you so much for your question if you've got a question like sean does we invite you to visit the waymedia.net or the way media app just click on signs of the times you'll see where you can ask your prophecy question or read our frequently asked questions uh we've got a lot of people that um ask the same question so we make those available to you on our website. Okay, Pastor Mark, we are in the 4th of July weekend, Yes, uh, which traditionally has been focused on picnics and hot dogs and barbecues and apple pies and and fireworks and a day off from work or days off from work or whatever. Uh, But you're going to kind of do us the way you did with the pastor who stole Christmas and really take a look at the 4th of July from a biblical aspect from a social aspect and really what God's word would have us be focused on regarding freedom and independence and faith and repentance and forgiveness
2: yes I think we need to heading into 4th of July weekend talk a little bit about it and I want to be very honest about it and talk about it number one in the blessings that we have from God as a nation but also not shy away from the sins of our nation and the consequences of the sins of our nation, um, and and also be able to admit that as well. You know, the Fourth of July. It's interesting when you look at uh, the nation, the national history of Israel. Greg, God gave Israel; He blessed them greatly. And by the way, Israel was in many ways a sinful nation, uh, off and on throughout their history, like every nation. There's no nation that's not guilty of sin. There's no individual that's not guilty of sin but because they focused on God even in the midst of the periods of sin nationally God blessed the nation of Israel and of course eventually when they didn't repent he removed them as a people they rejected their Messiah and we see where they are today brought back into the land in the last days but for 2000 years basically in time out if you want to look at it as a parent-child relationship because of rejecting their Messiah um, and that was a light way to put it but you get my point. Um. And what God did for the nation of Israel is when he did the great miracles, delivering them from Egypt, working in their lives that he did as a nation, developing them and establishing them as a nation, he told them, now, I want you to make memorials and place them every year. You'll do these certain memorials every year to remember what it is that I did for you as a nation. Why? Because God knows how forgetful we are as people. And God wanted Israel to remember, I did this for you. And now every year when you commemorate it, you're going to go, yes, God did that for us, and so you can remember what God did, and really, what it boils down to is not so much an honoring of the nation as it is an honoring of God, because you're saying, God, we're giving you honor for what you've done for us as a nation. That is really what 4th of July is in a nutshell. The 4th of July is saying to God, it's a yearly memorial that we have as a nation that says, this is what God did for our nation, and really for the founding fathers and the early part of American history. It was always recognized as this is what God has done for our nation. We are blessed. We are free from Britain. God has set us free and all these kind of things. So God has blessed our nation. And so now, you know, again, we need to be celebrating, I believe, Fourth of July as a reminder of God's faithfulness to America. Um, and I'll read some things here about statements. Uh, well, let me just, let me start off with this again. This is a great statement here by, I like, i reading some statements from our founding fathers is always kind of a, um, an encouraging thing to do. And I'm going to get to the slavery issue in a minute. Those of you that might be listening saying, yeah, but what about slavery? I'm in agreement with you. That was a great sin of America. And we're going to talk about that and, and even read a founding father's statement on that and how we dealt with that and where we are based on that. Now that's a big issue today. And I think it's wrong of the church or anyone else to shy away from facing it head on and looking at it and uh, if you will admitting our sins but then looking at where we are now um and so our founding fathers greg they recognized and we're not going to read all the comments and statements i've got some new ones i've done several different the same ones over years i've got some new ones now fresh um you know that from our founding fathers but they recognized a no nation could have been born and developed like we have unless god intervened and they referred to the divine hand of god all through their statements i mean the the greatest army in the world was britain at that time we were nothing we were like guys that didn't even have the right kind of shoes and clothing and and couldn't keep our powder dry half the time when we were out in the middle of the fields and the snow and the rain you know as we're fighting britain for our independence and all that and yet they acknowledge god did a supernatural victory there's no way it would be like I mean, how do you even compare it today? It would be like some small nation conquering America's military. And everybody would I just can't believe that happened. That's what happened. It was a supernatural intervention. And God was establishing America for great things. And God has made America arguably the greatest nation ever in existence. Now, we can't compare it to uh, Israel's greatest moments. And no doubt God poured out his spirit on them as greatly with King David and Solomon and all that. But as far as modern times, America is the greatest nation that has ever existed That doesn't mean we're a sin-free nation it means we're the one of the greatest nations if not you know second i would say to israel that's ever existed and our founding fathers recognized that and they recognize the importance of fourth of july And, and again there's a push today to kind of do away with fourth of july and replace it with other things that is a huge mistake because remember god gave israel memorials to remember his faithfulness to the nation I'm not saying, you know, God didn't give us a scripture to say thou shalt worship me or thou shalt remember me on July 4th. But I do believe that God has granted us a holiday in the midst of this nation that he's given us to remind us of our independence and establishment as a nation. And each year we need to remember that, not just to have a day off and have hot dogs and hamburgers. That's great. But it's about remembering God did amazing miracles to establish this nation. And listen to what one of our founding fathers, uh, Elias Boudinot, said. He said the deliverance, he makes this, um, and I've often thought this, which is interesting to hear his quote here, uh, uh, kind of a, an, a similarity to God delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt, God delivering the founding fathers out of the bondage that they had um, in Britain. And then we'll talk about, again, the the um, uh, African-Americans being delivered from the bondage that they had in America. And you see God's hand working in phases here. Really amazing what he's done. But listen to what he says here. And um, you have to bear with me. I've got my context there for those that are watching, and I just kind of blinked, and everything went blurry. But here it comes. Okay, the deliverance of the children of Israel from a state of bondage to an unreasonable tyrant was perpetuated by the Passover lamb, and enjoining on it the posterity of an annual festival forever, with a "Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt" statement out of the house of bondage. God said in, in Exodus thirteen three, "Let us then, my friends and fellow citizens." Unite all our endeavors this day to remember with reverential gratitude to our supreme benefactor all the wonderful things he has done for us in our miraculous deliverance from a second Egypt, another house of bondage. And I quote, and thou shalt show thy son on this day, saying, this day is kept as a day of joy and gladness because of the great things the Lord has done for us when we were delivered from the threatening power of an invading foe, and it shall be a sign unto you, unto thy... Upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in the mouth. For with a strong hand hast thou been delivered from thine enemies. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year forever. And so his statement was: He was like, look, even as God led the children of Israel out of Egypt and, get, and set them free from their bondage, we too have been led free from bondage from uh, Britain. And God has brought us here, and God has blessed us and given us this nation. So I think the Fourth of July is extremely important um, to remember what God has done for us as a nation. And so, uh, now what about the issue of slavery? Again, this is the elephant in the room. You know, this whole issue now going on between um, you know what holidays we should celebrate or not celebrate, equality, inequality, etc. Our founding fathers were also very aware of this situation let me give you some background first of all this is by no means a justification because slavery is evil it's sin it's wrong god condemned uh slavery in in the way that it was done in america there was a form of slavery in the bible that god there's approved. biblical slavery yes but that yeah, wasn't that, that wasn't capturing it. people yeah, against their will and exactly. making them a slave. that was you're paying your debts back yes so paying your debts back was was a slavery in debt if you will that god approved and said look you need to pay your debts but this type where you just take one human and you make them your slave, that is sin against God, and God uh, hates it, and and God will judge it, and I believe God did judge it. But here's the bottom line. At the time that our founding fathers came here, we need to understand the setting. Now, before I say this, this is not a justification. I want to say it's very wrong and then move on into how it was corrected. But at that time, the majority of the world had slaves. It wasn't just America that was dealing with slavery. Europe had slavery, and and, and throughout world history, most nations have had slavery at some top uh, time or another. So, to simply point out America for their slavery and say that makes us this worst nation that ever existed is not intellectually honest or historically honest because uh, it's been a, 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 an epidemic around the world since mankind really almost fell. Uh, slavery, has just yeah. been there. Now, with that said, our founding fathers came over with slaves. Britain ran us at the time. it was a britain a British colonizing it was uh the British it wasn't a matter of it wasn't America yet, and so slavery was here. it was inherited. it was something you grew up with. it was all that you knew, albeit wrong and sinful. It was how you were raised and all you knew and so um again, as the founding fathers begin to be convicted um of this uh, and by the way, Greg, it was against the law. Uh, To even get rid of your slaves in that day, Britain, King George didn't allow it. He said, no, you're under my authority. I will not let you release the slaves. You have to keep them. So it was British law and we were under British control. So did the founding fathers have slaves? Yes. But it was something that's all they knew when they grew up. Was it something that was bound to them by law? Yes. Does it make it right? No. Obviously sinful wrong before God. But here's what they did. And we know the American history. When they were convicted that this was wrong before God. You can read the statements of many founding fathers, not all, I admit that, but many founding fathers who said, this is wrong before God, we need to repent of this. As a matter of fact, I've got one statement here I want to read you from, uh, um, well, let me just read this paragraph. It says, when the northern colonies opposed slavery, because what happened was, is that the the colonies, Greg, some of the leaders of the founding fathers began to say, this is wrong. Slavery is wrong. We need to set the slaves free. We need to stop this. This is sin against God. And they were motivated by the scripture. And, he, and listen to what this paragraph says. Again, it says, from his uh, historical records, with the northern colonies opposed slavery, a century later they found themselves facing a surprising source of opposition to their efforts. In the early 1770s, colonies such as Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and others had passed anti-slavery laws. But King George III and his British governors in America vetoed those laws. The king was pro-slavery, The British Empire practiced slavery, and as long as America remained part of the British Empire, it would practice slavery as well. The British imposed pro-slavery policy was a source of great discontent for many founding fathers, including Henry Lawrence, a president of Congress during the American Revolution who lamented and wrote this, I abhor slavery. But I was born in a country where slavery had been established by British kings and parliaments ages before my existence. So, as we see the founding fathers, a big portion of them, Greg, began to realize this is sin against God. We hate this, we oppose this, we want nothing to do with it, and that's what again began to lead to what we came to eventually, the Civil War. And that is fighting against those that were uh, were, were refusing to release the slaves. And you know our American history. We fought to release the slaves. Not only did our founding fathers get convicted of their sin of slavery and repent of it. They um, went to war and died to make sure slaves were set free. And they died to make sure it would never happen again. And so slaves have been emancipated, set free, etc. Now, did that make slavery right? Did it make what they did right? Did it did it in any way make what their sin right? No, but here's what it did. Listen. A nation and or an individual should not be judged by the sins of their past, but a nation and or individual should be judged by what they did once they were convicted of their sin. And although all the nation didn't agree, I understand that. Although not every founding father did the right thing, I understand that. The majority of them did, and they banded together to go to war to stop it. And they basically, they repented of their sin. They turned from their sin. They released their slaves. They went to war with Britain and war with each other to make sure that it never happened again to turn away from it. And now what's happening is, is the question is, are we going to forgive or are we going to hold on to that? That doesn't justify at all. But imagine for us as believers, we come to Christ and we refuse to forgive each other of past sins. We're not to judge each other by past sins, but where we go now, listen, we have to acknowledge the guilt of the sin of slavery. I think that's been acknowledged. I think if you look at the founding fathers, their writings, the wars we've been through, we've acknowledged it. We've repented of it. I'm not saying we pretend it didn't happen. That's a horrible part of our history and it's there. But I believe the reason God has blessed America so much, Greg, is that we established our nation on the word of God. We looked at our sins head-on. We repented of our sins head-on, even being able, willing to go to war for those sins head-on. And so God was able to bless this nation head-on. And so what do we have now? We have a nation that is, I guess, in some way still licking its wounds. There are consequences from the sins of our past. But the sins of our past doesn't nullify the faithfulness of God to bless this nation. So when we come to the 4th of July, we celebrate the blessing of the Lord. Uh, we, of course... um, don't hide our sins of the past, but we need to be able to recognize that if we have repented before God, then God has forgiven us. And we need to, as a nation, seek repentance from each other, because unless we forgive each other of our sins, and really in this situation, um, you know, recognizing our sins that we've committed as a nation in slavery... Unless that's forgiven, the nation can never move forward in healing and oneness. There's always going to be this sense of animosity, this sense of whatever. And I'm not trying to sweep things under the the rug. I'm not trying to say it didn't happen. I'm not trying to lessen the horrors of slavery and our guilt before God. I'm simply emphasizing the forgiveness of God as a nation that has turned to God and repented. And and again, nationally, you're never going to get 100% repentance from everyone. But nationally, enough of our nation repented to stop it, to change the laws, to go to war over it, and to start a new direction. And I think unless we look at it that way as a nation, it's going to be hard to move forward as one nation under God and and let God bring healing and further blessing on our nation. So I simply said that to say, um, again, I, I think that it's important to acknowledge the guilt of America and our sin in the past, but I think it's also important to acknowledge the forgiveness that comes through repentance and what the nation did and saying, all right, I'm not going to judge you by what you did. I'm going to judge you by what you did after you were convicted of your sin. What did you do? Did you repent? Did you turn? Did you make it right? And the majority of our founding fathers did. And because of that, God blessed us as a nation. And now our goal is move forward in that same attitude of humility and brokenness and repentance and do all mankind right before God, fighting against injustice and fighting for the word of God. And if we do that, Not only will God bless America, but God can restore America. So celebrate the 4th of July. We shouldn't lose that celebration. And in celebrating, we're not saying we never did anything wrong. In celebrating, we're saying in spite of our sins, God has forgiven us and God has blessed us as a nation because we acknowledged our sins and we turned from our sins and we still need to acknowledge our sins today and to do what's right by our brothers today in America and sisters.
0: That's good, Pastor Mark, and it's a good thing to focus on, on the fourth, and and really I think this can be applicable just in our personal lives as well. Yeah. You know, if we're holding the sins of the past uh, on a family member or a, a friend or something like that, this is an opportunity to, to say, is this a lifestyle of this person, or is that something that happened so long ago? And our society is really good about digging up sins from the past yeah. on individuals, yeah. just let alone people groups, and trying to make it sound as if it just happened today or it continues to happen when it happened maybe one time so long ago. But I
2: think we need to acknowledge, too, to our brothers yeah. and sisters that, you know, uh, that come from the African community that we yeah. do acknowledge the sins of our nation Absolutely. And, and, again, need to be repentant before God yeah. for that.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Uh, The 17th of Tammuz, the priests are training for a tamid sacrifice. What does all of that mean, and what does it have to do with us prophetically? We'll talk about that, plus other articles of interest. His Signs of the Times continues right here on WIAM.
1: WIAMLP. 101.1 FM, Knoxville. It's Crazy Money Day. Hey, I'm Chuck Bentley with my money life from Crown. Turo is a car rental company whose inventory belongs to personal car owners. It's like an Airbnb for cars. Typically, hosts earn $10,000 per vehicle annually after paying a commission for insurance that's arranged through the company. Most car owners registered with the company offer a vehicle or two, but more and more people are adding extra cars for available rentals. A young couple out of Denver recently added a Corvette to their five Jeep rentals. They use Turo to diversify their investment portfolio. A business student in Canada rents out multiple cars. He found that providing excellent customer service draws repeat customers. CNN reported that Ryan Costello in Hawaii started by renting out his Chevy pickup. He left his job to go full-time in the car rental business and rents out 10 Jeep Wranglers and Gladiators. In a bad month, he earns $800 per car. But in a good month, he makes $2,000 per car. Costello is booked for the next four months. It keeps him busy cleaning, maintaining, and delivering cars. He says it's cheaper than buying and renting out a home. Plus, the returns are much better. Turo offers models you would never find at mainstream car rental agencies. Now, the company is not perfect. I've read some pros and cons. It grew rapidly and had some issues to address. But the model is unique and some people have benefited greatly. If interested, do your homework, and remember Proverbs 14.23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And if you're struggling with credit card debt, I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They'll create a debt management plan that works for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline, 800-722-1976, or visit online at crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. You know, sometimes a setback
0: comes in your life, a serious one and a painful one. It might seem it's so huge and monumental and that you'll never recover. But in reality, it becomes the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten that new job if you wouldn't have lost the previous one. Perhaps you'd never be involved in that brand new ministry that you're in had God not closed that door you were looking to in another place. Maybe you would have never found that special man or that special woman that the Lord had personally picked out for you if you had remained forever in that previous relationship that was so painful when you broke up. You can learn more at edtaylor.org. Grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus by visiting edtaylor.org. This has been A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor.
1: Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome
0: back, everyone, to our second half as we look at the world's news through the Bible prophecies that we find in Scripture. These are the Signs of the Times. This is Friday, July 2nd, 2021, episode 174 for those podcasting, many of our listeners catching the podcast on their own time. And we're blessed to have you, whether you're live or listening later. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. All right, let's get into some articles from around the world, and uh, as most times, we start in the nation of Israel. And past mark, this article comes from Israel365News.com, talking about the seventeenth of Tammuz, where the priests are training for a tamid sacrifice offering. For a third temple service, yeah. please explain, and why is this prophetic?
2: Yeah, first of all, what is that sacrifice? Just so you know, that is the morning and evening sacrifice of the Lamb that God required in the Word of God. Every day, the priest would offer this sacrifice, a Lamb in the morning, a Lamb in the evening, and uh, they're already, so they'd be fur, you know thoroughly laminated
0: oh sorry
2: anyway and oh so my. that's not i, shouldn't I was that. not expecting
0: that but that well, was good but,
2: you know you shouldn't have expected it. i apologize anyway but the priests <laughs> that they would do this and again to make sure that there was the sacrifice in the morning and the night the forgiveness the blood before the lord being offered that whole picture of israel the why is this important because again essential for the third temple and again another sign of being prepared for the third temple while jews around the world fasted on sunday the 17th day of the hebrew month tammuz A group of less than 50 gathered at the Mispa Jericho to witness a dry run of the Corban Tamid, the twice-daily sacrifice performed in the temple. The 17th of Tammuz commemorates the breach of the walls of Jerusalem before the destruction of the second temple in 70 CE. It is also the day that Jewish tradition teaches that Moses destroyed the two tablets of the Ten Commandments after descending from Mount Sinai and discovering the children of Israel engaged in sin with the golden calf. Rabbi Baruch Kahane, who serves as the Kohen Gadol, that's the high priest, at many of the reenactments, insisted that a full reenactment, including the slaughter of a lamb and arrangement of its pieces, would only take place if the minimum complement of 15 priests were present. Unfortunately, this was not the case. So Rabbi Kahane was not in attendance. Uh, A lamb was included for illustrated purposes, but not slaughtered. Since King David established the altar on the temple, Jews have only bring actual sacrifices at that site, or they may only bring them there. The rituals may only be performed by the Kohanim, that is the uh, priests, male descendants of Aaron, the priest. Uh, Though all of Israel is considered ritually impure, time-bound public sacrifices such as Korban Tamid may be brought in a state of ritual impurity. The necessary implements for the service stand ready, and only the only thing preventing the beginning of the temple service is the Israeli's government's objection to Jewish rituals being carried out on the temple mount. So what he's saying is, we're ready to rock and roll. We've got everything in place. The only thing that's keeping us from moving, for, moving forward is the government. They won't let us go up on the temple mount and sacrifice. Can you imagine if they tried to go up there and do that? I mean, the, the rocks that would fly and the, the mess it would be. But Rabbi Hillel weiss Gozana says, the formal spokesman for the Sanhedrin, uh, says, has been involved with these temple reenactments for many years. And I, I quote, this is what's interesting about this. Uh, again, because we know the third temple will be rebuilt in the last days. That's why this is interesting to watch them getting more and more prepared. And I quote, every reenactment comes closer. Teaches us more of what we need to know to bring back the service forever, Rabbi Weiss said. But each reenactment becomes even more difficult, raising an unprecedented obstacle. As more people support the events, it generates political and spiritual opposition, Rabbi Weiss said. Technically, we could go up to the Temple Mount right now and begin the service. All of the necessary elements stand ready. We are preparing several options. For each element to make this possible, but it is not our intention to make a provocative political statement. The temple is the source of peace, not conflict. Our only intention is to bring about prophesied house of prayer for the prophesied house of prayer for all nations. So he's saying technically the Jews have a right to the Temple Mount. We could go up there and force our way on, which I don't think they would even let them, but he's saying technically, that's why he used the word technically. Uh, but, Greg, the important thing is they are now practicing the morning and evening sacrifice, saying here's how you guys would do it if you're going to do it. They would have performed them there in Jericho, or at least, um, again, they're not supposed to do it except the Temple Mount, but he said they didn't because they didn't have enough of a priestly representation uh, to do that. So they practiced and they kept the lamb alive and didn't hurt the lamb and all that, etc. But they're getting ready, and this is even more evidence, Greg, we're inching closer to the Third Temple as they're preparing more and more to do that, the, the proper Rituals at the third temple.
0: Well, and also important to point out, Pastor Mark, is the preparation of them being able to execute these ceremonies in line with what the Bible tells us, that it's going to be the Antichrist, that's yeah. going to allow them to actually perform yeah. these sacrifices yeah. and these ceremonies. Yeah. Whether as, as the third temple is being rebuilt, the Bible tells us that they're going to start doing that right away.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because again, the Bible says, the Bible says the Messiah will rebuild their, a temple when he returns. And so the Jews today believe that it's talking about this temple. It's not. It's a fourth temple that'll be built that the Lord himself will oversee and just yes. how he's going to do it supernaturally or what's going to happen uh, during the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign. Yeah. Um, so they look at that scripture, Greg, that says that their Messiah will help them build their temple. So you're right. It, we know it'll be the Antichrist. Revelation, yeah. Revelation tells us that. But they're gonna think because he's building their temple that he's their Messiah.
0: Yeah. Well, and the fact that they're even they're even starting to get involved in this and push for this is almost like a prophetic barometer of sorts that you know God's getting them ready because he knows time is short right. in terms of when the antichrist is gonna come on the scene. So when we see these things, you you know, this is towards the end of the timeline here. Yeah, so it really is.
2: It's it really is, and very exciting. Very exciting.
0: All right, uh, let's come back over the pond here to America. And uh, let's, uh, from Israel, or timesofisrael.com, rather, uh, we find that congressional Democrats are urging uh, the president of the United States to reverse uh, Trump moves on Israel, is what it's called. What's yeah. a Trump move? Yeah. Well, as you know, he was, Please very, explain. he
2: was very pro-Israel and did a lot of things to really support Israel, and that is not the case with the new administration. But listen what it says. A letter f- from 73 Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives, including a number of, in leadership positions, urges President Joe Biden to make a number of moves to reverse what they call the Trump administration's abandonment of longstanding bipartisanship our bipartisan United States policy on Israeli-Palestinian relations. That is, all the good things that President Trump did for Israel reversed them. Among other things, the letter sent Wednesday calls for Biden to firmly consider Israeli settlements illegal and the West Bank occupied. Two things the Trump administration stated that it would no longer do. Now, what's interesting is God says it belongs to Israel. It's not occupied. It's not West Bank. It's Israel. Uh, All President Trump did was acknowledge what the Bible says that God did and, of course, they're saying now we want to re- reverse what God says. We want to get rid of that. And so it's really a, a, it's not a, so much an opposition to President Trump in reality as it is an opposition to God. And I quote, in the letter, it says, "...make clear that the United States considers settlements to be inconsistent with international law by reissuing relevant State Department and U.S. Customs guidance to that effect." It also pushes for all relevant official U.S. documents and communications to once again consistently refer to the status of the West Bank and Gaza Strip as occupied. Now, again, um, God says, no, it belongs to Israel. It's not occupied land. Now, the scary thing about this, and I'm going to read some more of it, but remember, God says in his word, Genesis 12:3, those who bless Israel, I will bless. Those who curse Israel, I will curse. This was a long time before Israel was established as a nation. So he's referring to the descendants of Abraham. So it's not some kind of cultural temporary thing. This is even before they were a nation. So he's saying, this is an eternal statement. I will bless those who bless the descendants of Abraham through Isaac. And I will curse those who curse the descendants of Abraham through Isaac, which today we know is the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. So the scary thing to me is to see our nation again, fighting against God. It's not man. They're fighting. It's God. They're fighting against, although they may not realize it. And whenever you fight against God, you're going to lose. Now, Greg, here's the amazing thing to me about this. I expect the world, you know, unbelievers, those who don't know Christ, I expect them to fight against Israel. But you would think, even if there's, like, Jews that don't know the Lord, that there would be some level of, I'm going to stand with my ancient heritage and my people, Israel. But many of them don't. It's shocking to me. Listen to this. Seven Jewish Democrats signed the letter including Representative Jan Swakowski of Illinois, who is the one who initiated the letter. So it was a Jew who initiated the letter to fight against Israel and their rights in the land. I mean, Again, I think what an embarrassing shame that is. Here you are a descendant of Abraham through Isaac. The promises of God are to you and for your descendants, and you're fighting against God and even saying, I don't want your promises, and I don't want my people to have your promises. I'm even going to use another nation that has power to fight against God and to fight against my own people.
0: You know, the last people group that I can remember that did that were the Pharisees uh, when they fought against Jesus.
2: No kidding. Well, and it's interesting to say that because the uh, Hasidic, which would be the closest to the Pharisees today, the Hasidic rabbis in Israel, they fight against the existence of Israel today. Yes, yeah, they do. The article goes on. Other representatives that, that, that again, agree with this letter that are Jewish, uh, representatives Alan Lowenthal of California, Andy Levin, or Levin of Michigan, Sarah Jacobs of California, uh, Yarmouth And then Steve Cohen, which is here in Tennessee, uh, he's our our senator in Tennessee, and Jamie Raskin of Maryland. Um, Donald Trump upended decades of U.S. policy in the region by paving a pathway for Israel to annex parts of the West Bank in addition to agreeing to Israel's claim to the Golan Heights and moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. The letter also calls on Biden to abandon Trump's peace plan, which envisioned an Israeli annexation of portions of the West Bank. It additionally urges him to pressure Israel to stop the planned eviction of Palestinian families from Eastern Jerusalem, uh, which contributed to the volatile environment. Again, it's not that they're taking uh, legitimate homes and removing these are the things that are illegitimate. They're not legal. They're talking about is, is doing the right thing. We do the same thing in America. They're just doing what, what's legal there. The document reflects growing calls among Democrats to take a tougher stand, um, uh, you know, with Israel it's interesting, the Democrats are taking a tough stand against Israel, and, and, and yet people are saying you need to take a better stand with Israel, but Greg, here's the bottom line, and I realize they're blind. The reason their opposition is so strong are two things. Number one, it is spiritual. We know that uh, Satan is fighting against Israel, Israel being reestablished in the land, the rights of Israel to the land, we know that. But in addition to that, it is on a personal political level because they hate President Trump so much what we have to be careful of we expect the world to respond this way but we have to be careful as the church not to get political that's not my point but we need to make sure that we don't let any type of political bias or personal emotional views go directly against the word of god i'm not saying this is the church it's not this article about you know leaders in washington but my point is if you're a believer make sure that you are linking yourself and aligning yourself with the word of god regardless of your feelings or emotions politically or any other way god said i will bless those who bless the descendants of abraham through isaac and i will curse those who curse the descendants of abraham through isaac i'm I'm filling in the blanks there just bless israel curse israel um and i again when i see america do this greg it just makes me nervous i almost feel like lord forgive them they know not what they do uh but again if we want blessing we need to stand with israel if we want cursing We need to fight against Israel. And I see many of our leaders fighting against Israel and it it gives me great concern.
0: Uh, This continued battle and the battles that are depicted in Revelation uh, regarding Israel and Satan are, are referenced as what in the book of Revelation? When we look at the beast, the dragon, the woman, you mean the imagery, all, of those, all of the imagery, yeah. So set, it, set that for our listeners, so when they see when they see those things in Revelation, yeah. it's directly tying to what?
2: Well, again, I'm not sure if I understand your question completely, but the imagery there is obviously... Well, the, you're talking about Satan dragon, always
0: fighting, against, fighting yeah. against Israel, so...
2: Yeah, the dragon represents yeah. Satan in Revelation, yes. that's the picture of the dragon there, and of course, the nation of Israel is the woman with the 12 stars around her head, and this whole thing, he opposed the Messiah, he opposes Israel, and this whole battle going on, so I don't yeah. know yeah that's it yeah yeah absolutely yeah i love that imagery if you you know again i we encourage you we have a, a great study through the book of revelation that you can find online and go through the revelation with us on And there's a lot of great studies out there uh make sure it's a solid bible teacher that you go through but they explain and we explain i explain to mine what this imagery is and how that applies to yeah that.
0: very important okay uh speaking of the jews and just the continued hatred uh, we look at more growing anti Semitism. Uh, several scripture verses in the Bible reference the fact that Israel will be a stumbling stone to all the nations. And so everything that we chronicle on this program when we take a look at these stories is just the heading towards the culmination of the fulfillment of that fact. absolutely. Where all the nations will turn against her, she will be a stumbling stone. Our first article comes from Breitbart.com, UK Jews are under assault. The highest number, listen to this, Pastor Mark, the highest number of anti-Semitic incidents since they began keeping records of this. Yeah, that's really
2: amazing. And really, you're going to see here when I read the numbers, it's quite stark how much higher. And again, remember... Again, when you see the whole world turning against them, who would have ever thought America would do that? One of the things you're going to see in the last days by by spiritual attack and demonic attack of the enemy is greater attack on the Jews worldwide, and it's going to do two things. It is Satan manifesting his attack, but also, Greg, there's a godly purpose for this. God says in the last days He will drive His people back to their land, from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. He will push them back into the land. It's been happening since 1948. It's happening and still happening now in dramatic numbers. And you're going to see. You think places they felt safe, like Britain, yes, places yeah. they felt safe, like America. It's not in our articles, and I'll get to the article. But there was there was a rabbi that was stabbed just today or yesterday, coming out of his synagogue here in, in America, just a regular school, and somebody was going to kidnap him at gunpoint he tried to run they stabbed him and he got away and they caught the guy and anyway the bottom line is this is america this is america becoming more anti-semitic america attack we have ilan omar we've got leaders that are attacking the jews she's attacking her own jewish uh, members of congress so we're talking about a great boldness in opposition a great affront it's all spiritual the bible said it would happen and now we see again it's not even safe to live in the uk it's not it's becoming unsafe to live in america god's going to use it because he's going to drive them back. But let's get to the article. Record numbers of anti—let uh, me just see—of uh, of anti-Semitic incidents have been occurring since last month's rocket attack on Israel by Hamas terrorists. From May eighth to June seventh, four hundred and sixty incidents were reported to the Jewish charity, the highest monthly total since records began in nineteen eighty four. With three hundred sixteen happening offline and one hundred and forty four online, the previous record was three hundred seventeen. In July 2014, coinciding with the last major eruption of violence between Israel and the Palestinians as a part of a decades-long conflict. So every time there's a flare-up over there with Israel and the Palestinians, you see it happen here. It manifests in America and UK and other places. We saw it in America this time. Jews getting attacked on the streets here in America at restaurants. You may have seen the videos. In the month before May 8th, 119 anti-Semitic incidents were reported to the CST. The CST said the rise was fueled by anti-Semitic reactions to the Gaza conflict and called it utterly predictable and completely disgraceful. The campaign against anti-Semitism cited physical beatings and vandalism, chants and placards at rallies, social media abuse and threats to Jewish children at schools and universities as examples of the hostility faced by the community. And I quote, None of these should be features of life in Britain in 2021, but they are for Jewish people, a spokesman told the Evening Standard. In a year of defined by solidarity against racism worldwide, the quote goes on, it is extraordinary how little support there is out there for Britain's Jews. Racism against Jews doesn't seem to count. Isn't that interesting? Now remember, we see the black and white issues going on, but the Bible says in the last days, Ethnos will rise against ethnos, that's ethnic group against ethnic group. It's not just going to be black and white issues like we see the battles and the struggles happening in our own nation. It is going to be Jew against Arab. It's going to be uh, these other Palestinian against Israeli. It's going to be these other things. These are ethnicities as well. So you're going to see an increase in that, as the Bible says. You're going to see God use it to drive the Jews back to Israel. And you're going to see Satan bringing the heat on Israel again because he simply hates them. So all of this is predicted Again, we're right on target, right where you know God said we would be. But it's still tragic, and we need to be praying for our Jewish brothers and sisters. You know, even as we need to be praying about America and what we have going on here. Praying for our our our, you know African American community and all the battles we have going here. We need to be praying for the Middle East and what's happening with Israel and and the Palestinians. Recognizing these are signs of the times in the last days, And, and and so again, what we'd expect, but still very disheartening.
0: Uh, Pastor Mark, our next article comes from FoxNews.com, uh, regarding, uh, elected member of Congress and, uh, n- noted, uh, hater of America, Elon Omar has been slammed by the Outnumbered uh, broadcast for attacking a Jewish House colleagues, uh, saying that she's somehow untouchable.
2: Yeah, again, this is where they're turning on their own, Greg. It's interesting. There seems to be a, a um, as long as it's Israel, you can attack even your own, you know, those that would stand with you normally. The Fox News Outnumbered, which is a show there, panel on Wednesday, delivered scathing comments on Representative Ilan Omar uh, from Minnesota, uh, after the congresswoman defended her comments equating Israel and the United States to t- to a terrorist organization, I actually appreciate the fact that Ilan Omar is telling the truth. Now she doesn't regret th- uh, She doesn't regret this. She doesn't regret what she said. She meant it. Said Fox News contributor Guy Benson. The panel reacted to CNN host Jake Tapper's Tuesday interview with Omar, who landed in hot water again this month when she equated Israel and the United States to terrorist organizations. Omar told Tapper she didn't regret the remarks. And when asked if she understood why some fellow Democrats, um, some of them Jewish, found the previous comments of hers about Israel to be anti-Semitic, uh, Omar said they were not partners in justice with her or engaging in seeking justice around the world, so she attacked them. She initially backpedaled on her remarks this month when she accused Israel and the U.S. of unthinkable atrocities, end quote. On par with Hamas and the Taliban, a group of the Jewish House Democrats issued a statement condemning the Congre- Congresswoman's remarks and tweets calling them offensive and misguided. But Omar appears to have had a change of heart. That is, she's going to say, no, I don't care. Benson said that she is doubling down because she would not be held accountable by her colleagues for her bigotry and outbursts. It's hate speech. It's hate speech. uh, Rather said co-host, uh, Harris Faulkner, Jewish journalist, Eve Barlow called on CNN to bring an authoritative voice to discuss what she called the far left squad's problem with Jew hate on Wednesday. Now, Again, not to drag politics into this, but when politics are in the road, here it is. It doesn't matter about the politics politics of it. What matters is we have leaders of our nation attacking the Jews and speaking openly and vocally and publicly in our House of Congress. This is something you would never have seen happen in America, and it's a shame that it's happening today, not just because we need to be um, standing with Israel. But also, Greg, simply because of the past and what happened to the Jews when people began to speak against them and the recent history of just 70 some years ago with Hitler. I mean, to think that this soon this could be resurfacing. This is Hitler-esque talk coming from Ilan Omar. And this is no different than back in the 1940s. And uh, again, scary stuff. I say 70s It's even longer ago than that. But the bottom line is um, it, it's, it's scary stuff. And it's really sad. It shows you the state of where we are as a nation.
0: Okay, Pastor Mark, we've got two articles left for today, and they all involve pestilence, plagues, disasters, and ending on corruption. Yeah. Uh, the first one's from Yahoo.com. Rattlesnakes everywhere. The odd consequences of California's drought.
2: Yeah, this is really something here, Greg. Um, you know, let me just read some of this article here, and then we'll talk about it. A Lynn Ramirez stalked through the dry landscape, scanning the ground ahead, searching for movement. Called out to an estate in Napa Valley, the owner uh, of Ramirez Rattlesnake Removal Company. (laughs) Imagine, you you only have a company, there's so many places where you live. I was finishing up his last job of another busy day wrangling, uh, removing and allocating snakes from homes across Northern California. He'd found three in just this yard, including one nestled a thousand yards from their pool. Rattlesnakes are everywhere these days, he says, on front porches, in potted plants, under children's play equipment. I am busier than I've ever been. Complaints are coming in from all over the state. Ramirez believes the drought may be partly to blame. He opened his business in 85 and has seen spikes before, but doesn't think the rattlesnake population is necessarily growing. But the urban environments, and increasing drought with urban environments in search of refuge from rising temperatures and relief from drying landscape is drawing them in. And it's not just snakes. This is important about this now prophetically. Because of the drought, they're seeing also um, uh, wildlife, once wild areas, um, they're starting to see animals and pests coming into uh, areas where people typically only are. And now we're seeing other animals come in as well in search of food, whether it be bears and other things. We're seeing all these other animals come in. He had to remove 60 snakes at a time, he said, on one job. um, And he said, I have to remind parents to watch out when their kids go out to play. Again, um, they talk about the increase in uh, all these factors together with mosquitoes, birds, uh, other wild animals. He says, in California, public health officials have already warned residents of the increase in virus activity. And scientists believe the threat of transmission of West Nile virus will increase with climate change, especially in coastal areas. Let me close this quickly so we get to the last one. Look, the Bible says, again, not only will we see these things in the last days, Greg, but when a nation turns from God, you're going to see, again, greater problems with the wildlife of that nation. I find that interesting. We may develop that on another show at another time, but this is a sign, I think, possibly of God's judgment of our nation.
0: Uh, Last uh, article, Pastor Mark from ChristianHeadlines.com. Middle schoolers have been given flyers saying they can get abortions without parental permission. Yeah,
2: this is scary. Again, look at what's happening to our society. Again, parents, watch your children. There's a full-on assault against uh, 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 getting our children and, and, and just twisting their minds in ways they shouldn't go. Students at Tacoma Washington Middle School recently received Planned Parenthood flyers telling them they can get an abortion without notifying their parents and Greg, also, it's interesting, the flyer explains what's legal and illegal for children and teens involving sex in Washington State. The, the flyer says this, and they handed this to all the kids, you do not need to get permission from your parent or guardian at any age. On condoms, it says you can buy condoms at any age. On the Plan B abortion emergency contraceptions, it says you can buy Plan B contraception at local pharmacies without a prescription at any age. It also tells children and teens you're allowed to get a prescription for birth control with or without your parents' permission. Anything that tells the kids they don't have to talk to parents, again, this article says, is wrong. And I agree. The flyer also includes detailed information about legal age of consent. An 11-year-old, the flyer says, can have sex with somebody two years older or less. A minor who's 12 and 13 years old can have sex with someone who's three years older or less. Minors who are 14 and 15 can have sex with someone four years older. What they're doing is, we want to protect you from statutory rape.
0: Whoever, Who even comes up with thinking
2: about this? Planned Parenthood. They are promoting abortion because they make money off of it. So they're promoting the sex industry. It is an evil, wicked industry. Parents, listen. Be praying against this wicked industry. Look at what your children are bringing home. I know this is Washington. This is not Knoxville, Tennessee. But let me tell you, what happens out West works its way to the South. We need to watch what our kids are involved in. Watch what they're being taught in the schools. Be an involved parent. Uh, So important. But more than that, again, as we finish up today, I want to say this. If you've been listening to this today and you see the signs of the times we're talking about as the scripture lays out and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to once again, before we're done here, invite you to come to Christ today. And that is, what do I do, Pastor Mark? If you're hearing this now and you want to give your life to the Lord, the Bible says God loves you. Jesus died for you on the cross. He shed his blood for your sins. If you'll simply confess your sins, ask god to forgive you tell him you believe he died for you on the cross the bible says you'll be born again and you'll be delivered from this wicked age not just this wicked age but you'll have your place in heaven for eternity with the lord so again not just the bad news of what we see happening i want to make sure we finish today with the good news of the love of god that god has for you and if you simply respond he will receive you by the way you can call us here and we'll talk to you here at calvary chapel if you want to give your life to christ with a person uh, live
0: Thewaymedia.net is where you can find all things related to our program, Signs of the Times, as well as other content that is produced by our church, as Pastor Mark said, Calvary, Knoxville. You can always call us at 865-609-1385, or just visit thewaymedia.net for more information. Have yourselves a great weekend celebrating freedom, faith, and forgiveness from our sins, yes. thanks to Jesus Christ. And we'll see you back here next Friday at 1.30. Unchangeable. He is love, kindness, and compassion. He forgives in his mercy and grace.
1: God rescues, protects, defends.
0: He guides, comforts, leads. He created all, is overall
1: sacrificed for all. God is stronger, wiser, richer.
0: He cares, connects, inspires. He is the author of truth, designer of earth, and architect of faith. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. The Way.
1: wasn't prepared for this kind of storm and
2: now i